0: going on, everybody? It's your boy, Trey. I'm so glad you can join me back here at the Renewed Studio, where we want to encourage rightly dividing the Word of God, um, as well as critically and and biblically thinking through the issues that we face today. Um, If you haven't done so already, please hit that like button and hit that subscribe button, so that way you can be notified whenever um, I upload new content. Uh, We want to continue to just continue to push into the scripture, uh, so that way we can gain understanding and learn from one another. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be dealing with the doctrine of the Trinity. The doctrine of the Trinity is something that's been in the Christian faith for a very long time, but it's also been controversial. Um, and it's been controversial because, you know, we're really trying to uh, describe a God that is so far beyond us, and so far, any, so far beyond anything that we've seen um, in nature, and so far anything that we've seen even just in our own relation to each other as human beings, um, and so sometimes, um, our language can fail. Sometimes we just have a different opinion. We not we don't always see the same things. Um, and so as we have this discussion, um, I really want to ask, for one, grace as I try to explain the doctrine of the Trinity because it can be confusing at times. Um, and I'm going to extend that grace uh, across the airways also to someone who may have a different opinion or have a different insight on it. And so the point, again, is to learn from each other. So I'm really looking forward to uh, the comments that, that come from this discussion, um, and so let's go ahead and get into it. Before we do so, I want to make sure I also address the elephant in the room when it comes to the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, you will not find the word Trinity uh, in the Bible when it when it as it relates to describing God's nature. Trinity really is a product of language, right? And so, as people, we have language to communicate ideas, and so the purpose of calling it Trinity is really just to communicate. Um, How it is that it that it's that we see this thing in the scripture. What I also want to avoid um, is the very easy uh, default to like throw the heretic word out there to everybody. And so no really in the Christian faith you have people who are Trinitarians and you have people who are not Trinitarians. Um, And both camps throw the word heretic at each other uh, because, you know, they disagree. Um, I'm not trying to have that conversation in this episode. What I really want to do is explain the doctrine of the Trinity and explain why I hold to the doctrine of the Trinity. I haven't always held to the doctrine of the Trinity. But I do now, and I want to explain why I do and kind of go through the scripture to explain why I do. But again, I really look forward to hearing or seeing the comments in the comment section uh, so that way we can have some discussion about it. And with that being said, let's go ahead and let's get into uh, what we're going to be talking about. Um, And so it's very important to understand what the doctrine of the Trinity actually teaches. And so for one, it teaches that there is one God that exists in three persons. Those three persons being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, it does not teach that there are three gods. It does not teach that the Father is a God, and the Son is a God, and that the Holy Spirit is God. It does not teach that the Father is a bigger God uh, than the Son, that the Son is a bigger God than the Holy Spirit. But it teaches that That there is only one God, but that that God exists in three persons, those persons being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here's a graphic. This is uh, kind of a a graphic that you'll see a lot of times um, as an effort to explain the nature of God. So in the middle, you have God, again, the one God, right? Um, And then on the outside, you have the persons within the Trinity, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so let's kind of go around. Let's start from the outside. And so you have the distinction in persons. So the father is not the son and the son is not the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is not the father. Right. So there is a distinction in the persons. However, they are one God. So the father is God and the son is God and the Holy Spirit is God is god notice it doesn't say that the father is a god and the son is a god and the holy spirit is a god but the father the son and the holy spirit are the one god and i think this oftentimes presents a lot of confusion because like i said earlier this doesn't really reflect anything that we see in nature there's nothing in nature that we can look at and say it is one and three or one and three. Um, Whereas with God, that is how his nature seems to be presented in the gospel. Uh, Sometimes people try to use examples like uh, water. And so they say that no water can be a liquid, a solid and a gas. The problem with that comparison is that water can't be those three things at the same time. It's either going to be um, a liquid or it's going to turn into a solid once you freeze it is gonna turn into a gas once you heat it up. But water cannot be all three of those things at the very same time. One, one form of it has to give way to the other form. This is not the same for the Doctrine of the Trinity, in the doctrine of the Trinity, the Father does not have to go away in order for the Son to come on the scene. The Son does not have to go on, does not have to go away or cease to exist in order for the Holy Spirit to come on the scene. But the Father exists, the Son exists, and the Holy Spirit exists, and they exist expe- and they exist eternally. Which brings us to the next part of our uh, of the doctrine of the Trinity. And so, the doctrine of the Trinity teaches that the three persons of the Trinity are co-eternal and are equally God, meaning that there was never a time when the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit did not exist. So we as Christians believe that God has no beginning and he has no end, so that there was never a time when God didn't exist, right? And so in that belief, that means that the Father doesn't have a beginning and doesn't have an end, and that the Son doesn't have a beginning and doesn't have an end, um, and that the Holy Spirit doesn't have a beginning, and doesn't have an end. And so the three persons within the Trinity are co-eternal and are equally God. So let's look at some scriptures here uh, that really you know talk about this triune nature um, of God. The first one we're going to look at is Matthew 3, 13 through 17. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me? Jesus answered him, Allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom... I am well pleased. And I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, just in case it's a little bit different than what you're used to. But here we see, for the first time in the scripture, the triune nature of God being revealed to the people who were in attendance. And so Jesus comes to John to be baptized because he needs to, he has to, in order for the scriptures to be fulfilled. And so you have the son being baptized by John. But then after being baptized by John, then the Bible says that the the heavens open up and we have the spirit of God. So this is the Holy Spirit descending like a dove and coming down on Jesus. And then a voice from heaven. This is the father saying, this is my beloved son. So again, that's how we know it was the father. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So in Matthew, we really have the first instance—the uh, first instance where the triune nature, what we would call the Trinity, being revealed to those there in attendance, where the Father is speaking from heaven, the Holy Spirit descends from heaven like a dove onto Jesus, and you have the Son, who is Jesus, uh, who is there in the flesh and has just been baptized. Let's go to another scripture, and this scripture that we're going to go to uh, really goes into why we believe that. Jesus, um, the son, is also God. And it's very important. Uh, it's th- this is a very important part of the Christian faith. And I think we've talked about this in the past when in one of our videos about Jesus, that Jesus is God. And there are some religions, some beliefs that relegate Jesus to being a teacher. Uh, they relegate Jesus to just being a ordinary man, um, or they relegate Jesus to just being a prophet. However, the scripture lets us know that Uh, that Jesus is more than all those things that Jesus himself is God so let's look and see what the scripture says about this Uh, we're looking at John 1 and we're going to look through 1-5 through it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was with God in the beginning all things were created through him and apart from him not one thing was created that has been created in him was life And that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. So what we find here, uh, where John really wants to make sure uh, that his readers understand that from the very beginning, the word was there, the word was in the beginning. And so, of course, he is drawing back to the book of Genesis, where we get the whole creation story um, of how the heavens and the earth were created by God in the beginning. But then we get to that second part where he says that the word was with God and the word was God. And so we have really a positional uh, stance or positional statement uh, and we have a statement of being. And so in the beginning, the word was with God. So positionally with God and then also was God. So a state of being. So it's that with and that was right. He is. The word was with God and the word was God. Uh, And so here he's, John is clearly stating that the word um, has two states here, being with God and was God. And then lastly, or thirdly, he talks about how the word created all things. So again, going back to Genesis, uh, where the Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John is going back there and saying that the word created all things, that the word was a part of that process. Let's go on to the next part of the scripture here. This is uh, verses 10 through 13 it says he was in the world. Now we're still talking about the word here and the world was created in the world was created through him. And yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man but of God. And so we learn three more things here about the word. That number one, that the word came to the world and that the world was created by him. So again, reiterating that point that all things were created by the word and that those who believed in him, those who believed in the word were given the right to be children of God. And so we're learning some things here through John about the word, that the word was there from the very beginning, that the word was with God, positionally, and the word was God, a state of being, we learn that everything that was created was created by the word. We also learn uh, that those who believed on the word that they were given the right to be called the children of God. That's what we would call salvation right now. So let's go into the next scripture uh, that gets into it even more. And this is our last one for this one. John 1, 14 through 18 says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father. So now we have that statement of the father and the son full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this is uh, this was the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me but he existed before me. I want to stop here real quick. This is a really important point to, 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 to sit, sit on. John says he existed before me. If we look in the scripture, we'll notice that Jesus is in the belly of his mother, Mary, at the very same time that John is in the belly of his mother as well. Now, we don't get an indication in scripture of who was born naturally first, but John makes a statement that he, the word, was or the word existed before him and so we're getting into that eternal existence of the word again going all the way back to the beginning john recognizes this um and he's uh letting his disciples letting the people that he's preaching to know these things let's go on back here and so starting at 16 indeed we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness still talking about the word Now watch what John does in 17 as he then compares the law that's given through Moses to the grace and truth. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The one and only son who himself, who is himself God and is at the right side and is at the father's side. He has revealed him. So John is saying that no one has seen him. However, Jesus or the son here, uh, who is God himself, is also at the father's side and that Jesus is revealing God. And so through John's writings here, he's wanting his audience to understand the nature of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is not just a man. Uh, Historically, at the time that John is writing this, there are people who are trying to discuss, or there are people who are discussing the nature of Jesus, and there are people who are coming up with all kinds of um, of ideas that we still hear today. Um, some people wanted de- want, some people wanted to deny the divinity of Jesus Christ and just make him solely human, or uh, or just a, a regular ordinary human being. Um, and there were there were, there were a lot of there's a lot of conversation about the nature of Jesus at this time john is writing to his audience to hammer home the fact that no jesus is not just a man but that jesus had always existed and that he was the word of god or he is the word of god um and that when he came to earth he came to earth and put on flesh as a man um and we didn't recognize him when he was here but this was indeed the son of god and indeed was god um and so this is where we get the idea. That Jesus is God, and so you see in this in the scripture where John talks about the Father and the Son, right? Uh, let's go back to that real quick. We have the Father and the Son uh, going, starting from verses eighteen. No one has ever seen God. The the only the one and only Son who is Himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed Him, and so here we have that Father and that Son uh, uh, language, uh, and. It's all it's language that is all centered around being God, and so you have the Son, who is Jesus, being God, and the Father being God as well. Um, and so it's very important that we understand these things when we're talking about what the doctrine of the Trinity is trying to express. The doctrine of the Trinity is really just trying to express uh, the nature of God in a way—or not—shouldn't say it's not expressing it in a way, but it's really expressing how the nature of God scripturally just doesn't really resemble anything that we've seen right or anything that we are familiar with um and so it's very important that we recognize jesus for who he is that he is god which is why we worship him which is why he's our lord and our savior um, which is why he was able to come to earth and die for our sins Because being God, he's the only one who was perfect and who could remain perfect throughout his life. So that way his sacrifice could be perfect. If it had been anyone else, uh, it would not have worked because none of us are perfect. The Bible says that we're all born in sin and shaped into iniquity. And so I couldn't die for anybody's sins because I'm sinful myself. And no one else could die for anybody's sins because we're sinful ourselves. Jesus had to come and die for our sins because Jesus is without sin because he's God, which makes him perfect. Uh, Let's move on here. Uh, So we learn here from, uh, from John that the word becomes flesh, that the word is the one and only son of the father, that the word is Jesus and that the word is God or that Jesus is God. And that he sits at the right hand of the Father, and that G, Je- and it's through Jesus Christ that God is revealed. And that really goes back to how Jesus talks about it. Where you know, we we have scriptures where Jesus talks about uh, being. Oh, sorry, we talk about where Jesus talks about being had a little <laughs> technology issue there, but where Jesus talks, um, about being when you, saying, like, you no, know, when you see me, you're seeing the Father. Like, if you see me, if you know me, you know the Father. And that just really threw the Pharisees into a fit because they understood what he was saying. They understood that he was comparing himself or making him equal or making himself equal to God. And they just couldn't understand that. But Jesus had been saying this all along. He was saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Um, If you know me, you know the Father. Um, Because he reveals God to the world. Now we get to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit or when people talk about the Holy Spirit, sometimes the Holy Spirit kind of gets like the short end of the shaft uh, or the short end of the stick where uh, where we make where we kind of reduce the Holy Spirit to a force or we kind of reduce the Holy Spirit to lesser than. Um, But the Holy Spirit is equally God as the father is and as the son is. So let's go to the scripture to see like where the scripture talks about the Holy Spirit being God. Oh, I'm sorry, we gotta go through all these things. I forgot about these here. These essentially what we learn about, about uh about Jesus or about the word through that scripture. Now here in Rome in, in Hebrews verses three, seven through nine, it reads, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. So here, what we have here is that the writer is quoting the Holy Spirit, who is hearkening back to the Old Testament. I believe that this uh, reference goes back to the book of Isaiah. But the Holy Spirit is using uh, in, this, in this scripture ref- or referencing himself as being, uh, as being God. So if you hear his voice, and if you go down to verse nine, it says, "Where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for forty years." so here uh, the Holy Spirit is referencing himself as being uh the one that they put to the test that the children of Israel put to the test while they were in the wilderness back in the old testament and so with these scriptures, what we have is we have a referencing of the father of the Holy Spirit of the son, and now here. Um, of the Holy Spirit as being God, which is how we get to the Trinitarian view that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are God, and they're equally God because they're uh, they're referencing each other as being uh, one in the same. Um, and so you again you have the conversation of or you have the dimensions of Jesus as being if you know me you know the Father, and here we have G- we have the Holy Spirit. Uh, talking about not being rebellious as your ancestors were back uh, in the wilderness and how they put me to and how they really uh, put him to the uh, made him upset. Right. Uh, And so what we see here is the Holy Spirit using that same language that makes him uh, God, just like the father and just like the son. Uh, we're gonna almost we're gonna conclude this in a minute here. Uh, let's go to Genesis one, one through two, and also verse twenty-six. And it's really important because here is where the doctrine of the Trinity uh, really plays out in explaining some things that you really can't explain without the doctrine of the Trinity. Genesis one, starting at verse one, says, "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty; darkness covered the surface of the water, watery depth." And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So let's stop here for a second. Remember in John, it says uh, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we came to understand through the scripture that the Word was Jesus. So when Genesis 1-1 talks about in the beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. uh, And it also references that the Holy Spirit hovered over the deep of a formless world, we see then that in the beginning, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are participating in creation, that they are involved with each other in creation. And so this is why the doctrine of the Trinity for me makes sense because of how Jesus describes himself of how John describes Jesus and of how Hebrews is describing the Holy Spirit. So now when you go back, you can answer this question that comes up quite a bit. Uh, in verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And so I was watching a podcast before where a young lady talked about how uh, she grew up in church and she read that scripture and she wondered, like, who is us? Who is God referring to when He said, "Let us now let us make man in our image and in our likeness"? Who is the "us" and the "our"? Um, and the church that she attended couldn't answer the question. Uh, the church that she attended just was not—they didn't—they didn't have a Trinitarian doctrine that they believed in, and so they just didn't have the answer to that question. And they, they kind of told her not to worry about it, not to question God, and to move on. Well, unfortunately for her, that didn't solve or that didn't satisfy her curiosity, and because they weren't able to explain. Who the us and the hour was um, it ended up leading her to leaving the Christian faith and really being attracted to um, a group of African spiritualists who uh, kind of told her that hey there are many gods out here and we can worship, we worship and we serve all of them And so she left the faith altogether. But when we read that scripture through a doc- through the doctrine of the Trinity, it makes perfect sense that from the beginning, The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have always existed. And they are the ones who participated with each other in the creation of the world and the creation of everything that we see. So when God says, let us make man uh, in our image and in our likeness, it's the Father, it's the Son, it's the Holy Spirit really working together to do those things. Um, and so here is what the Trinity is not saying. The Trinity does not push a belief in multiple gods. Again, it does not believe that the Father is a God and the Son is a God and the Holy Spirit is a God. It is one God, monotheistic, one God, but that one God exists in three persons, being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And something else else that I neglected to say earlier that is really important to understand about how Uh, how the the Trinity works and that they are co-equally eternal, right? They are co-eternal and they're co-equally God. However, they share the same will. And so if you take like a family, for instance, me, my wife and my daughter, we are one family. However, in that family, we have three different wills. I have will, I have a will and I have goals. My wife has a will and she has goals. My daughter has a will and she has goals. And in this family, it's a constant negotiation. It's, in the, it's a constant sacrifice to you know, kind, of, kind of get these wills on the same page, um, meet each other in the middle. And sometimes we're successful and sometimes we're not. But that's not the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They share the same will and they work towards the same ends. And so we see them working in creation and we also see them working in salvation. Um, and we see them working in the lives of the believers. And so when we talk about the triune nature of God and the distinction in personhood between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, please understand also that they are not up there negotiating um, with each other, trying to figure out who's going to win out in the battle of wills, but that they share the same will um, and they work together uh, for, again, for, for God's purposes. So let's get back to what, Trinitarian, what the Trinity does not teach. It also does not teach that God switches forms. Like that goes back to the the, the water example that I gave earlier about switching from liquid to gas to a solid. That's modalism. Though so there's a there's a belief, there's a teaching of modalism that teaches that God sometimes acts as the father. And at other times acts as the Son and then at other times acts as the Holy Spirit, but that the three are not existing at, uh, at the same time eternally. Um, the Trinitarian, Tr- Trinitarian doctrine does not teach that Jesus was the first created being. Uh, that's Arianism. And that's one of the early challenges uh, or what's uh, or one of the early challenges to, to the nature of God, or to the nature of Jesus, excuse me. And that there were some who believed that Jesus was a created being. So they still gave him his divine nature, saying that Jesus was still divine, but that there was a time where Jesus did not exist. Um, The Trinitarian doctrine does not teach that. The doctrine of the Trinity teaches that there was never a time when Jesus did not exist, that he is co-eternal and has always been, just as the Father has always been and just as the Holy Spirit has always been. And then lastly, the doctrine of the Trinity does not teach that Jesus was once an ordinary man who achieved divinity as a reward for progressing in good works. That's what's known as adoptionism that teaches that Jesus was once just a a, a man like you and I, Uh, but because he was so good, because he had this this long progression of good works uh, that God rewarded him with divinity. Um, the, the doctrine of the Trinity does not teach that. So from the doctrine of the Trinity's perspective, Jesus has always been in existence and Jesus has always been God along with the Father and along with the Son. So hopefully uh, this has not been confusing. Uh, hopefully uh, this really just kind of spurs some good discussion. Hopefully it brings some clarity too uh, for those who may have been wondering about the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, and questioning its validity. again, this is my best uh, attempt to really describe it. And it may not be perfect um, because again, our language is not perfect in describing a perfect God or our limit our language is limited when we're describing an unlimited God. But as always, I just want to encourage that rightly dividing the word of God. And so sometimes uh, that means we have to struggle through the scriptures. Sometimes we have to wrestle through the scriptures um, and really pray that pray that God opens up our eyes and gives us understanding um, when we're dealing with topics like this. So with that being said, I'm going to get ready to get out of here, uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing those comments. Again, please hit please share as well as hit that subscribe button so that way you can be notified whenever I go. Uh, whenever I add some new content onto the page. And with that being said, everybody take care.